Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Much for being here this morning. It is good to see each and every one of you, and it's good to be seen. Amen. And uh, thank you for uh, all your well wishes, thoughts, and prayers. I am healing well. It's good to see uh, so many others who, uh, Miss Vicky and and Lisa, others who have had surgeries and are recovering. It is so good to see you as well in the Lord's house. But man, you have, you have happened upon Battlefield on a great day. We've already had a wonderful time together uh, during our nine o'clock uh, Bible study time. We kind of combined everybody and we were in the gymnasium this morning uh, because of our special guest and uh, very special to us, uh, one of our missionary partners. Uh, down in Honduras, Eric Woodworth and his dear wife Ashley and the kids are down there. Now, Ashley and the kids are still in Honduras, uh, but Eric is with us. And uh, I will tell you, it's been an eventful trip for him already. He's still waiting on his luggage to get here from Honduras. And so uh, uh, I'm just thankful that he made it here safely. Amen. And uh, he was already a blessing to us uh, during uh, the nine o'clock uh, time frame. And, and I know he'll be a blessing to you. What I was going to do is I was going to introduce, so guys, media guys, if you'll hold on, I'm going to really, I just want to introduce Eric and have him come, and he's going to kind of set up and introduce uh, a video he want, we want to share with you a little bit about what's been going on in Honduras, and then after that, he's going to speak to us, and I know that you will be blessed. Again, thank you so much for being here this morning. Eric, I'm so thankful to have you. Would you welcome Eric Woodworth, our missionary to Honduras? There we go. We're good. I have a hearing issue, so I really can't tell if the speaker's on or not. And I also have an issue seeing color, so my wife has to tell me what matches or doesn't match. So when, when my luggage didn't arrive, I thought, I am going to struggle with this. And so, but anyways, I hope this matches somewhat decent. Okay, so uh, yeah, I can't see, can't hear. I'm not really good at a lot of things. Actually, I don't even know why I'm here. So, but, uh, but God uses the most unlikely people to accomplish his will, his plan. But I'm going to show you a video. Uh, it's about three and a half hours, no, three and a half minutes, and uh, it just really, when we first came here uh, several years ago on deputation, you know, we, it's a lot about who we are and our salvation testimony and what we're going to do, and the cool thing now is we have been to Honduras, we live in Honduras, we are working in Honduras, and one of the major, major focuses of our ministry is a new church plant that will celebrate one year anniversary in May, and so it's kind of a cool time to be here, and so yeah, praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. And so that's our heart and desire. And the goal is to start more churches and to continue to grow. And so we're going to show a video focused primarily on that church plant. You'll see faces of folks that are there and that kind of thing. Okay. And then afterwards, we're going to show a few images. We're, we're praying about buying a piece of property or a home to use for a permanent location. You'll see in the video, we use like a storefront rental location. And then, then afterwards, I'll be able to, to preach to you. So, but we're going to show that video now, I believe. And uh, 
hopefully you guys to see. So that's kind of a quick video, some of the faces and things we've been doing there. It's, it's a, actually uh, one or two or three months old now, and I told my wife, I was like, oh, we need to update it. We got these new families. And she's like, Eric, we have visitors every week. We can't, I can't update the video every week. She's like, I'm not doing that. And so anyways, we, it just continues to grow. Uh, we've had uh, two big baptism services now. There was one in the video, and uh, we, we, it's just been awesome. It's awesome to see 
God work in the church there. Uh, we've been able to start things outside of within the church, like as far as like other ministries. It's called Caritas Felices, which is like happy little faces, I guess. I don't know. Like uh, in McDonald's, when you buy a Happy Meal in Honduras, it's called like a Cajita Feliz, like a happy box, basically. And so he's Caritas Felices. And that was the end video there where those kids, their parents work in essentially a trash dump, picking through trash to recycle it, and they get paid to pick through different things. Well, the kids of those children or those people typically don't go to school. And so the whole idea of Caritas Felices is kind of an outreach ministry to children and to their parents. And so that's what that was. They, they, most of those kids, just to be honest with you, don't even wear clothes during most of the day because they live among trash. It's a dump. It's a literal trash dump. And they kind of live off the set. So they all put their best shirt on. Because I was like, hey, we're going to make a video for people in the United States to see what we've been doing. And so they all, you know, they get their best shirt on and stuff. And so the church not only is growing within itself, but now they, as people, are doing things. I was like, listen, people, I can give you ideas, but you got to do the work, right? It's not the missionary's church. It's God's church here in the community of Loarque in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. And so they've been involved in serving, getting plugged in. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to see them do those things, invite their friends, um, to teach now. We have teachers in the church who are teaching children, and so it's just awesome to see kind of God grow that. I told them my job is basically to develop people to the point where I don't even have a job anymore, right? So you guys are preaching and teaching, and you guys are running, and then we, you know, we'll see what God does, start another church or something like that. So it's been an awesome thing. You guys have been a part of that from from really day one, you started supporting us on deputation. I think we have a few photos. So this is kind of our next step. So we went there, we started with nobody, 12 people in a house, uh, and, and we started sharing the gospel with people and then discipling them, baptizing them. The church formed in May of last year, and so it's about a year now, baptizing other folks and now starting other ministries. I'll share with Pastor. In September, we have our first missions conference a Honduran church missions conference where we're going to support a Honduran guy who's going to Morocco. And I was like, the Great Commission doesn't just apply to the United States people. Like, it's a, it's a global thing, right? And that focal point is relative. You know, our Jerusalem is Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and we need to send out from there. And so it's an exciting thing. So the church is growing. They're giving. Tithes and offerings are up. And we're self, now self-propagating. You know, we're starting to send others out. And so it's an exciting thing. But with these, um, I think we're going to show some photos this is kind of our next thing, and this is something I want you to pray for us about. This is what we're talking to our supporting churches about. We're trying to raise funds to basically a permanent home is what we're looking for. If we can get them a permanent home, the next step is just to institute a pastor, and literally the church is self-supporting from that point on. Through their tithes and offerings, they pay for the resources and things that they use during the service. So we really only have two more steps in a church that's not even a year old yet, to having a self-sufficient, self-supporting, self-propagating New Testament church where one did not exist. And so for me, that's my heart. That's what we're excited about. And so this is what we're asking folks to pray about that have supported us. And I just wanted to show you guys some photos. I know you guys don't know where this is. I know that's not your next Airbnb, right? But uh, you guys can pray about these options. Uh, we live in the city, and so every, there's no land. Everything's developed, and, and so these are some of the things. Uh, this is cool because as a corner lot, these are going to sound weird, I think, to some of you. Like, we're excited that there's street parking. We don't have parking lots. We don't have parking. Sometimes here, I just drove through the parking lot where there was a food lion just for fun, right? I was like, this is so nice. Just drive around this parking lot. And it's flat. Everything's flat here in the state. Anyway, so we don't have a parking lot anywhere, so they park on the street, 
Uh, we can add on later, good location. There's another photo of another option, uh, I think. So this is a home that's three stories. And we can use this. Uh, I think there's some other cool things on this. We have a children's option. Uh, it's move-in ready. Um, there's a whole floor for kids. One of the things we lack in our church is a teens-type ministry, a youth ministry, which we really want to start. We just don't have the space. Uh, out of all the people who come, most of them are adults. And that's a great thing. That's a healthy thing because, you know, to be honest, they're paying for everything. And so that's good. You know, their tithes and offerings are going. But now they want to reach youth, and this will provide a place for us to do that. It's three stories of a building of a house, uh, but that's another option that we have. We also have designs to do other ministries, and we could use that facility for that. We have a, like an English language program we want to use. Obviously, Caritas Felices can grow, different things like that. Uh, this is another option. Now, this is the worst photo in the world, and I'm sorry, okay? This means, look at that. That's horrible. No one wants to buy that, but inside, it's just impossible to get. I would need like a 60-foot ladder to like do this, right, or a drone. Somebody wants to buy me a drone, I will receive that blessing, and so, but this building is huge. It's a home. It's a single-story home, but there's all this property going back to the river. Uh, if we were to get them this land, they could use uh, eventually we could build something in the future on the land that we would own. Lots of exciting options, okay? So I just thought I'd show you a photo. It's easier to pray about things when you see faces, see photos, and that's it. That's for us what our biggest next step is. You know, I, when we first came here, it was, we need to get to Honduras, right? We need to learn Spanish. We need to find a home. We need to find a car. I need to know how to buy, you know, peanut butter and jelly in Spanish, which I learned, by the way, and it's great. And so we needed that stuff. Now it's like, hey, this, we, we don't need, it's just this church that you have been a part of from day one needs this, and you guys are seeing what your fruit of your giving has created in a place that's just, that needed a church badly. And so it's an awesome thing. And so today I'm going to talk to you about ministering to missionaries. We're going to be in 3 John chapter 1. There's only one, but 3 John chapter 1. And we'll be there. Um, we're going to uh, just pray at the beginning here because as we read these verses, we're going to talk a little bit about them. But my goal today is to talk to you about ministering to missionaries, really in a sense of, of a unique position of a message that I get to give because you are supporting us. You know, when you first come, it's like, you know, let's get excited about this and we're gonna go and, and help our family get there. But you, you have done that, right? This is almost like coming back and talking to family before strangers, because we didn't know each other, right? But now it's almost like coming back and saying, family, this is what we have accomplished together. This is what you're doing. And we're gonna talk about this idea of ministering to missionaries, what you're doing, and to see. Sometimes we don't see. That's the powerful thing about coming back as a missionary. You can read a prayer letter. Your pastor can say, hey, this is what this missionary asked us to pray for, but it's so much better, at least for me. Maybe I'm just, I don't know, but that's just how I am. If I can see the thing and to see a video and to see faces of people, none of those people gathered together in local churches before we were there, right? Half of those people didn't know Jesus Christ as their savior, thought they were going to heaven because they went to a church or were baptized as a baby or they're trying to be good enough to get to heaven and they were all wrong, right? Because we know only through Christ can we receive salvation. And half of those people didn't even know Jesus Christ as their savior before going there. Like there's a really good thing going on there in the community of Luarque. And you are a part of that, even though you don't see that in your day to day. And so that's kind of my goal this morning is to remind you biblically, of what you're doing when you minister and support missionaries, okay? That's the goal, right? So let's pray, and then we'll jump into this. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be with Battlefield, to be with this church that has been a part of our family from day one, Lord. Thank you so much for 
the opportunity now to open your word and to look and to see this pattern in scripture of ministering to missionaries and what we are accomplishing, God. Help us to realize and to see really, Lord, with your eyes. You, you know all, you see all. You know, we do small things, small acts of faith, and sometimes, Lord, in our, in our frailty, in our humanness, uh, we don't really understand, we don't see all that you're going to do with that small act of faith. And so, Lord, we, help, we pray that you help us to open our eyes this morning just to see the impact we're having as we support missionaries all around the world. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's jump into this in, in third, or John, 3 John, not the book of John, not 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. It's closer to Revelation if you're not sure. I, I grew up not going to church at all, ever. We, went, we didn't even go on Christmas and Easter. We went when my grandma was here, right? And so when my grandma was in town in Ohio, for some reason, we had to do what we always do and go to church when she was in town for the weekend. And we're like, what's going on? And I don't know if she ever noticed that we didn't have a clue. People are coming, hey, good to see you. This is your first time. My grandma's right there, you know? And, but that's when we went to church. And so I, I, always, I always joke about trying to use the table of contents to find. If you don't know where Third John is, that's fine. I didn't either for a while, you know? Just flip to the back, it's somewhere around there. Um, but the Bible says here in, in 1 John chapter 1, I think we'll read down to verse 4 and then we'll kind of go from here. It says, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius. Gaius is the guy we're going to talk about. Whom I love in the truth. Beloved, verse 2 says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. And then verse four, I have no greater joy. This is the apostle John saying, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, right? Those that he's reached in the faith. This is not his son, but those that he's reached in the faith walk in truth. And so God here is speaking through the apostle Paul in this letter to a Christian man named Gaius, uh, who would have been a member of a church, most likely in, in Asia Minor in Turkey. I was in a Uber from the airport to the hotel and uh, the guy, I was like, hey, are you from here? And, you know, because he obviously wasn't from here. And, but I didn't want to be like, where are you from? But I was like, where are you from? And so he's like, I'm from Turkey. And I was like, I'm talking about Turkey on Sunday. So I got to witness to him. Um, you know, he said that he was a Christian, but I got to witness to him in the Uber. Because I'm talking about Turkey, you know. And I was talking about Asia Minor. When you see Asia in the Bible, it's referring to Turkey, the country of Turkey, which that cracks my kids up. I don't know, if I'm 34 years old, but that still cracks me. It's hard to talk seriously about a country named Turkey, okay, but it is, it's named Turkey. Um, but God is speaking to him, and this is a letter of a Bible, uh, letter of a Bible written really to an individual rather than a church, but essentially God is writing through John to this man named Gaius. Um, it's interesting to me because we only have so much of the New Testament, right? Uh, we only have the 27 works, and so uh, it makes me think about my time here in the States. I'll be here for 12 days, 12 days talking to lots of churches in Virginia and Kentucky and Ohio in those 12 days. And not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but during the week as well. Um, and, but besides the ministry stuff, another very important factor in my life right now is where am I going to eat while I have 12 days to eat all the delicious things that we don't have in Honduras, all right? So I have the spiritual thing, right? I'm focused, I'm praying on that. But also under that, Okay, subsequent to that, I'm thinking about how many times can I eat at Chipotle? I don't know if you guys like Chipotle, but I love Chipotle, right? Uh, I'm thinking about, I need to go to five, five Guys. I like Five Guys. I don't really care about cheeseburgers. I don't eat a lot of meat, but the French fries from there with malt vinegar. I eat an embarrassing amount of malt vinegar when I go there. And a mellow, they have mellow yellow 
in a fountain. I don't know if it's true in Virginia, but in Ohio, they have mellow yellow in the fountain, which fountain pop is always infinitely better than anything else. And so I'm so excited for all this. So I have to literally, my wife's like, so what have you planned out? I have it a schedule. Here's the churches I'm going to speak at. Here's all the ministry things I'm going to do. And then here's my schedule of restaurants that I'm going to eat at. Buffalo Wild Wings. I can't eat, I can't wait to eat chicken wings from there. I'm going to gain 15, 20 pounds before I leave. That'd be a good excuse. I lost all my luggage and I'd be like, oh, I had to buy new clothes, but it'd be a size bigger, you know. But you think about on a serious level, you know, there's only the 27 works there. And so we have, you know, the idea of why would God use one of those limited things to address Gaius? You know what I mean? So the question is, what could this man have done, good or bad? You know, it's good, but it could also have been bad uh, to warrant such a response from the Lord. And so that's the idea. We're going to look at that today. And so we're told in the beginning of these verses, just kind of by introduction, that Gaius was a very well-beloved man. Um, It says the elder in verse one unto the well-beloved Gaius. This is because he's living in a way that's honoring to the Lord and therefore enjoyable to other believers around him. Uh, It's a blessing when you know somebody and they're serving the Lord passionately and it just kind of you know, builds that uh, admiration for that person. Uh, The Bible says that his soul was prospering. How amazing of a phrase is that, right? That your soul is prospering. That's a good thing. Um, John even offered up this hypothetical thing. He said, only, if only his wealth and his health could be as vigorous as his spiritual life. Look at verse two. He says, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. That's in the sign of the physical sense, the financial sense, and be in health. That's the health side even as thy soul prospereth. Could you imagine if somebody is praying for you and they're praying, I wish that your health and your financial success and all of that would match how of an awesome life you're having spiritually. That's a good way to pray, right? Like what if God only blesses that way? But anyways, that's what he's praying for Gaius. That's a great testimony. The Bible says he was a man who walked in the truth. Verse three, even as thou walkest in the truth. Uh, And this is really just an example of what Jesus was talking about in John 14. Uh, He said, if you love me, John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? This is a man who loves Jesus and we can see it, right? And that's what we say in Honduras a lot with people. And I shared this in Sunday school. We have lots of people who believe they're going to heaven. And my job is not to argue with them. My job is just to share with them what the Bible says. And this is often a verse we go to. Do you love God? I've, I've never met a Honduran who doesn't say they love God. That, that's awesome. That's great. But Jesus said this, if you love him, you will be obedient to him. So what does God say in his word to what we're supposed to be obedient to? And we use that to show them, wow, maybe I don't really love God. And we show them that a true relationship with God is based on Jesus Christ and not some religion. And so it's, it's a powerful verse, but this is a man who's doing that. We can say Gaius loved God because he's walking in the truth. He's being obedient. And so when someone does that, we see that here in Third John, John. So we have this letter in scripture that talks about the blessedness of Gaius's life. And then God highlights one specific thing. This is all introduction and it'll go faster after this. But he highlights one specific thing that Gaius does. And verse five is where we are now. Verse five, he says, beloved, thou doest, that's Gaius, Thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. And then he refers to these, and he says, which have borne witness of thy charity or love before the church, verse six, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly short, thou shalt do well. Because these people have, it says, because that for his namesake they went forth. 
taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought, verse 8 says, to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. There are a lot of words in the Bible, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 790,000. I did not count. I Googled that. So if that's wrong, I'm not going to count 790,000 words. But in a common English Bible, near 800,000 words, the word missionary comes up zero times in Scripture, right? But that's okay, because even if it's not there, the idea is there, right? It's kind of like the idea of Trinity. You know, we're not going to read the word Trinity in the Bible, really. We're not going to read the word rapture in the Bible, but the concept is there. Even though we don't read it, obviously the idea is there of a missionary. Clearly, half the book of Acts is the record of Paul and others' missionary journeys. You could do hours of Bible study and all the different uh, passages of Scripture that build our idea of what a missionary is. But for our limited time together, I just want to look at this example in John 3. Gaius is being commended by God for his care towards this mobile group of Christians who were on a mission from God sharing the gospel on those travels of theirs. And if we review these verses again, it's just interesting to see in 3 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 8, it says, Which have borne witness of thy love or charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles, the unbelievers. We therefore ought to receive such, these people, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. One commentary put it this way, I'll read. It says, Gaius practiced hospitality not only towards those who he knew, but also to those he did not know. The reference concerns especially itinerant gospel preachers that Gaius aided on their journeys. Another commentary said it this way, the brethren so entertained by Gaius were missionary evangelists and probably in the course of narrating their missionary labors for the edification of the church where John was, incidentally mentioned the loving hospitality shown to them by Gaius. And so here we have this example of John says, hey, we have these people who have come to us and they have borne witness of your love and charity and care for them on their journey. And John says, we've heard about it now, and we want to commend you for what you've done. And so that's an awesome testimony, and essentially a New Testament word, or the common word we would use is a missionary. And so Gaius is being commended by God for his care of these mobile group of Christians who are taking the name of Jesus among the Gentiles and sharing the truth of the gospel. So what I have in mind this morning, that's the introduction. It'll go a lot quicker after that. Uh, What I have in mind this morning is to highlight the things that God highlights about Gaius so that we can learn what we're doing as a church and we minister to missionaries, but also so that we can see um, what God would want from us as a church and how to continue to minister to missionaries. And so let's go into this. Uh, We're going to go quick. I I told the the Sunday school group this morning that I, I, I speak slower in Spanish because I want to pronunciate the words correctly. Because you can say a word, and it changes everything if you don't say it right. My daughter's favorite word is, like, if you want to talk about your dad, you can say your papa, right? Papa. If you want to talk about a potato, it's a papa. All right? So the only difference between a potato and your dad is the accent at the end of the word. Papa, papa. And that's the difference. So when you're learning Spanish, you just say P-A-P-A. I ignored that little tilde thing, and I was like, Papa, Papa, Papa. You know, you just say it all around. And so for Father's Day, my, my daughter bought these socks, and it has a potato on them. So I have potato socks, and she has little tiny potato socks. And so 
But in English, I tend to speak faster. I don't know why. I just, I don't know if it's nerves or whatever, but I tend to speak faster. And so if I go too fast, just tell me to slow down. But I probably won't see you. But anyways, we'll just, we'll know. <laughs> so let's go forward here. It says there are three things. Just highlight these three things and then we'll be done. Um, Gaius uh, brought them forward. That's the idea of bringing them forward. Uh, the Bible says in verse 6, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly Sword. And so in this, we see the reality of supporting missionaries, the reality of supporting missionaries. It's an interesting thing that in English, the phrase, if thou bring forward on their journey, that whole thing comes from only one Greek word. If thou bring forward on their journey comes from one Greek word. And this gives us a very practical picture of what the church's responsibility towards missionaries are. There's lots of definitions, and we're not going to do a, like a boring word study or something, but it's just interesting. I'll read some of these definitions of what that word means in Greek, and you guys can understand, oh, okay, I can see why God used that word to bring them forward on their journey. When, when a church supports a missionary, the Bible says when they're bringing them forward on their journey, it can mean to send forward and to send back. Uh, when you support a missionary, this is what you're doing. Initially, you are sending them forward to go where God has called them, right? To Honduras, to Nicaragua, to wherever they're going. We came here and we say, help us go forward to Honduras so we can share the gospel with those people. And you all responded with, yes. Okay, that's the only reason I'm back here today, because you said yes. And so we get to go forward. Uh, but it also can mean uh, to, to send them back as well. Um, you know, we worked with different things in Honduras for our first couple of years, and I'm here now telling you, hey, this is what's happened. This is what's going on. Continue to be faithful. Continue to give. What you have been doing is making a difference, right? You can see these lives change. People are literally going to heaven now because of missions, right? It's a powerful thing. And so the idea is I'm here saying, look, so you just keep sending us back, right? We come and say, look what's going on. All right, now send us back. Look what's going on and send us back. That's the, the idea. And so that's where we are as missionaries. When this idea of saying that to send them forward, to send them back. Um, we celebrate one year in May, and it's just an awesome thing. And all of that has been accomplished because of your faithfulness to send missionaries forward and to continue to support them. It's kind of interesting. You, if you don't like me today, you have a biblical reason to get rid of me right? And so you're like, oh, God bless you, brother, you know, now go. Get out of here, right? We don't want to. We're sending you back, right? You're doing a biblical thing. But that's the idea of sending them forward and sending them back. And that's why we're here, to share with you those things, to share with you these ideas of what God is doing. Uh, it also means, the word means to accompany along the way, right? That's the idea of bringing them forward, to accompany along the way. Um, you are accompanying me now, right? Pastor's like, hey, Eric, you want to go eat some food? Like, yes, I do. I've got a list, okay? And he said, what kind of food do you like? And I love Mexican food, and I love Thai food. And he's like, I know a Mexican restaurant we're going to. We met people from Honduras at the Mexican restaurant. I invited them to church today. They didn't come. No, they're not here. That's, I'm going to go back there. I'm like, why didn't you come? You didn't come to my church. But we met them there. And so, you know, you're being hospitable, right, caring for me. I, I don't know how many times he's, you know, felt bad that I lost my luck. It's not his fault, but you guys have that tendency, right? to love and to care. Can we do anything? Can we do anything? Somebody gave me shoes. Somebody let me borrow their shoes. I don't know about you, but I don't like other people's feet. So <laughs> letting me borrow your shoes is like an expression of love to me. I'm like, I don't know if I'd do that. I don't know if I have that kind of charity towards the brethren to let you borrow my shoes, right? Stinky feet. That's the idea of hospitality to accompany along the way. But in addition, because we serve an all-powerful, all-present God, when we pray for people, 
we are literally accompanying them along the way. When we ask God, who's everywhere at all times and all powerful to do whatever he wants to do, to bless and to be with these missionaries and to help them, we are there. We are accompanying them along the way. Uh, we are asking the Lord's favor. In Matthew chapter 9, it says, Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Even if you're not going on a trip with me to Honduras, you can pray for us while we're in Honduras. And Paul understood this as one of the greatest examples of a missionary. In, in Colossians chapter 4, he says this. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And so again, he's saying, listen, you need to pray for us so that God would open doors. If you don't pray for us, it could affect our ministry. Like, this is not a light thing. It's not a cliche thing. I don't even have prayer cards because they're stuck in luggage somewhere in the world, and I was going to give them to you, and I was going to show you one. But when you say, hey, pray for your missionaries, it's not cliche. You are literally accompanying us on the journey. You are spiritually battling for us, which is actually a cool word because you're Battlefield Baptist Church, but spiritually doing that for us and on part of the Lord. It's not easy. It's difficult. It's hard sometimes to deal with, you know, our kids see videos of their cousins going on vacation with their grandpa, and it's like, why can't we do that? It's hard. That's in the grand scheme of things, maybe that's no big deal. But for our family and that life, it's, it's difficult as a dad to be like, this is how this is going, you know. The, the first day in the airport, my daughter broke her arm in the airport. And so the second day in Honduras, I'm trying to go find a hospital or an ER, and try to explain in Spanish, which I barely knew, what happened. That's a horrible experience as a dad, and that, that gets tough. But then when you come here, and people are like, hey, we're praying for you, and hey, I remember you, that's the idea of accompanying you. Like, we know, Lord, we're not alone in this. There are people praying for us, and that's the idea of bringing them forward on their journey. And then finally, it can really mean to, this is interesting, I'll read the definition, because it sounds like I'm making it up, to outfit someone with the requisites for a journey to outfit someone with the requisites for a journey. It's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, you guys remember back in, there's an old pop culture thing that said like straight out of Compton, and then like it became really popular for people to make those shirts. Anybody know what I'm talking about at all? Where it was like straight out of, and then your hometown, right? Or churches did that. They'd be like straight out of church or something like that, or straight out of Battlefield Baptist. You know, they would do that thing. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, somebody nods, so I know I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> You got real quiet there, and I'm like, am I just not spiritual? What's going on here? So, um, straight up, and I always thought that would be cool, but that definition's out of a lexicon, so I thought that'd be a sweet shirt as like a preacher straight out of the lexicon, and it'd be kind of a cool thing, because the definition sounds like I made it up, right? We're talking about missionaries, and God says you have brought them forward on their journey, so I'm like, what does that mean in Greek? And you look it up, and it literally means to outfit someone for the requisites of their journey. I'm like, that's an awesome definition. It's kind of like God knew what he was doing when he used that word, right? And so I just think that's an awesome thing. And so when you support missionaries, you are outfitting them, you are equipping them, you are getting them what they need to do the work God has called them to do. It's a powerful thing. And so all of that is the idea of bringing them forward on their journey. That's one thing that Gaius was doing. And that's what you do when you support missions. Two more things, and this will be quick. Another thing he says is that for his namesake, for his namesake. Verse seven says, because that for his namesake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. If we see the purpose of supporting missionaries in this passage, uh, they are doing what God has called them to do for God's glory. And this answers the questions, why support missionaries? 
Why work 40, 50, 60 hours a week and then give a portion of that money to these people that I don't know, that I don't ever gonna see to help go help people I'm never even gonna meet in a country I'm never gonna go to because they're going in God's name is the idea. When we support missions, we support missionaries, when we're faithful to give, it's not because they're special. It's not because they're enjoyable. You know, thanks to God that you know, mission support isn't based on my personality or things like that, right? It's based on you love God and so you give so that his name could go forward. Because you are not giving or doing that for the person, but for God. That work in Honduras is because God has used his disciples to accomplish that thing. And anyone in every church that's ever supported that did it for God's glory, right? For Jesus's name. What better cause could we give for? What better cause could we sacrifice for than in Jesus's name, right? It's a beautiful thing. Because of your giving, we are positioned in a powerful place from which to minister the gospel to Jesus. There's a phrase in Honduras that they, they say it's, it's K-I, or like what is, but they use it for this expression. Oftentimes people come to Honduras and they're looking for something, to exploit the people for something. This happens in a business sense. This happened with you know, the banana companies way back in the day. This happens today even with preachers. Occasionally you'll see a billboard in Honduras the billboard costs more to rent for a week than most families make in a year, but on the billboard is some guy, and they're always in white suits. I don't know why they're in white suits. I want to get a white suit one time and just see what happens, but they're always in white suits, and they always have their hands like this. They're never just standing. It's always like this kind of like thing, like they're carrying too much you know, groceries or something, but they're doing this, and it's, it's about this crusade or this, this group or this meeting, and, and you go to the college they're renting or the, the facility they're renting, and you go there, and you can, you can be healed, and, and you can hear these powerful messages messages. And if you would just give what little you have, then God will double that after you give, but you got to give it for all that kind of crud. And they just exploit the people. And so as a missionary, you know, when we went there, there's that sense of like, okay, what do you get out of this? What are you, what are you getting? Like what's, what's in it for you? KI, right? That's the idea. But because we're supported by churches and because we're going in his namesake, they realize really quickly, this guy's not getting anything from us. He's just giving us the gospel. Okay, you're preaching the gospel, but okay, he's not doing that. He's not doing that. He's real. He's genuine. Yeah. We're going in Jesus's name, and they see that, and I can do that because churches have supported us to go. It's a powerful testimony, right? So when people say, K.I., I just say, Jesus, what's this? What are you in for? What's his purpose? Jesus. Jesus. The final thing is this, and this is a cool thing. So we've seen that we're to bring them forward on their journey. We are to go in his namesake. That's why we support. And the final thing is this, that we might be fellow helpers is the phrase the Bible uses. Verse eight says, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. And so in this, we see the blessing of supporting missionaries. God views it as a team, as a fellow helper, fellow labor in ministry. Uh, the Greek word synergos, or like the idea of synergy, is where this comes from. When you support missions, you are developing a synergistic, I don't know, that's how you say that word, synergistic, I can't even say it in Spanish or English, synergistic relationship between you and that person, that missionary. That's what we are developing. We are doing this together as a team. And that's not, again, cliche, that's what God says right, in his word, that when we do these things, we bring them forward on their journey because they're going in his name's sake, we are becoming fellow helpers, laborers with that person. 
I think we have a, one picture up here. Um, this is an interesting photo. I love this photo. I don't know where this came. I Googled it once, uh, like two guys and a goat in a river, and that's what it came up as. Um, but it's cool. I don't know if you can see it. If you can't, if you are got older like I am with these glasses, it might be difficult. But basically, you got two dudes, and there's like a goat sheep. I'm not a farmer, so I don't know exactly what that is. It's an animal. And there's a guy, and he's holding on to the other guy who's in the river who's pulling out this, this animal who's suffering. I, it must taste good, because I don't know who sacrifices for an animal like that. Maybe it's his childhood pet. I don't know the story behind this. But this is a photo, and it has these neat little words underneath to help us visualize this. It says the church, and then the missionary, and then the lost. And I saw that, and I thought, that is such an awesome picture of what is going on in Honduras right now. Because we live there, and we are there, and we are literally getting people out of this, this, this river, this, this broad path, Jesus would say, that's leading to destruction. They're thinking they're saved and they're not. They don't know the truth. And so we're there telling them and drawing them out with the truth of God's word. But as we're doing that, we have churches like Battlefield in Virginia who are holding on to us so that we can be there to do that. It's such a powerful image of what's going on. And this is the idea that we are fellow helpers. You hold my hand while I reach my hand out to them to bring them to Christ. Right? And that's the idea. We couldn't live there. We couldn't function there. Even if I wanted to, I could get a job at McDonald's and make $4,000 a year. I don't know how we would live off that. That's the annual salary of 100. I don't know how we would function. I, we could not do it if we didn't have churches supporting us. And that's what's going on with every person that's coming to Christ in Honduras through the ministry there in the Larque. And so we share the gospel in a land you've never been to or may have never gone to. And we do it in a language you may not know to people you probably will never meet. But we can do all of that because your faithfulness to support us. And one day, you'll meet them in heaven. Isn't that going to be a cool thing? Uh, this is just one. We got two more photos. This is just people, and then I'll And So this is Dinora, um, and this is her baby, Sophia, who's a lot older now. She was in the video, uh, and this is my wife, Ashley. Uh, Dinora, uh, her husband was a guard in the neighborhood near my house, and so I just have this idea that I'm going to witness to everybody. If you're a human being, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And so I went up to this guard, and I was like, hey, and I was telling him I learned Spanish, and we talked for a little bit, and I was like, why don't you invite me to your house, and I'll talk to your whole family about why we're here. And he's like, okay. And so we did. People are like, that doesn't happen. It does. You just got to open your mouth and ask. And so I went to their house and shared the gospel with them, and both of them did not get saved. They said, we need to think about this, which I respect, because that's how I was. It took me two years to get saved. And months later, she came to our Bible study, went to every Bible study. She came to the church when it first started. And the whole first two months was just me preaching on how to get saved. And then we had a membership class. Then we did a Bible study on how to know for sure you're saved. And she's going to all of it. And I'm like, come on, Lord, she's got to get saved. She keeps coming. And then she tells my wife, hey, I'd like to talk to you. Can we get coffee and talk? And they did. And she prayed to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior. She's going to heaven because there was someone there to tell her about Jesus. There's someone there to tell her about Jesus because people sent us there. This is another photo of Kelvin. I was like, man, you need to change your name to Kelvin or something like that. But Kelvin, this is difficult to say. And he's a lot shorter than I. I, I joke with him all the time. Like, look how short you are. <laughs> I show this photo all the time, but he's a lot shorter than I am. And uh, he came to our church. He didn't come to the Bible study. He came to the church and uh, he... I was like, hey, welcome, blah, blah, blah. He's a guard, too, in our, in our community, or in the, in the storefront area. And he came, and he was just kind of awkward, you know. And I'm, you know, very like, hey, you know, and talking to him. And, 
And he came back the next week with his wife, his pregnant wife and their kids. And I was, I made the joke about, oh, you sent your husband to make sure we weren't weird. And she just said, yep. <laughs> yep. Because she had an experience where she went to a church and she went there as a kid and then realized what their teaching is not in the Bible. This is weird, you know. And so she was saved. He was not. I said, hey, Kelvin, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Yep. You're going to go to heaven when you die? Yep. Are you a Christian? Yep. Do you love God? Yep. Just yep, 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 yep. But there's no fruit in his life. And again, it's not my job to judge. I'm just going to keep telling people the truth and the Holy Spirit convict their heart. But I knew, right? Sometimes you know, you're like, dude, you're not saved. And so, uh, but you know, I'm not going to say that to him. I'm going to tell him, hey, this is what God's word says. Do you, do you feel confident you're saved? Yep. Do you feel confident you're saved? Yep. Hey, Kelvin, let's do a Bible study on salvation. What the Bible? Oh, that'd be great. You feel like you're, every time. Yep. Three months he came. Three months. And then after one service, he's like, hey, I'd like to talk to you. And I love when people do that. Because either it's going to be really bad or really good, but I could feel that it was really good. And that's what he said. He said, can we, can we have coffee or something? And we had coffee, and he's like, I, I'm ready to get saved. Ready to get saved. Whole life. It's a drunkard. He's been bouncing around. He's got powerful life testimony. And as far as, like, just all the stuff he went through. And now he loves Jesus. And his family comes. And his boys are going to, he's got three of them. One of them is named Andres, and he's the fattest Honduran baby I've ever seen. <laughs> and I love it. Fat babies are the best, right? Fat, you know, when you get older, you get fat. It's not as cool. But anyways, and I'm like, you realize you're starting a legacy. Your boys are going to grow up hearing about Jesus Christ. I was like, your kid could be our next pastor someday. That's a big difference from his dad and his life. That's what's happening. That's we're being sent forward on our journey in God's name and we are working together to bring that about. So I know we mentioned talking about buildings and stuff like that. It's necessary, but it's whatever. That's what it's about. People's lives change, right? So if we never get a building and we meet in a storefront for the next 30 years, I don't care because people are going to come to Jesus because we're going to teach the gospel because we have people like you keeping us there supporting us, fellow helping, fellow laboring for the Lord for mission. That's what you're doing. So when you're giving, that's what's happening. Okay? Let's pray. If you guys would bow your heads with me and, and we'll pray. I believe I have a song here in a moment. Pastor Travis, I think, is going to come. And, but let me pray for you. God, thank you for this chance to to look in your word and to see this example of Gaius and how you've commended him for the different things. We thank you that we have this testimony so that we can learn from it, Lord. And this isn't just about, you know, how, how great we're doing in these things, but also to challenge us, Lord. If, if there's folks here that are not involved in what this church is doing as far as missions around the world, God, challenge us, convict us to be a part of that. We pray for those here that have been faithful. I thank you for this church. I hope, Lord, that you would show them what they are doing, what you are accomplishing, accomplishing through their faithfulness and help it to encourage us and to empower us to keep going forward, to keep supporting missionaries. But Lord, we also pray today for those that may be here that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, how perfect of a day to come to church 
and hear about a family taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to a whole nother place and sharing with them. But how sad, Lord, to be someone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ and to listen to a message all about a family bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to another country and they, they miss it. They miss the message. We pray for those that are here today that need Jesus Christ as their savior, that they would realize that need, Lord, and they would accept him even today. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name.